This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How do you think we're doing? Well, that seems awfully presumptuous of me. Um, I had a positive interaction with a hummingbird today, so I'm doing better than many days. All those negative interactions you've had with hummingbirds, right? <laughs> I just, honestly, I take it as a sign of good luck that a hummingbird chose to just like hover in front of me and stare at me today. Yeah, just hummed near you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, may I tell the listening people what happened before we sat down to record? <laughs> sure. Uh, Sarah was so excited about this that she demonstrated, she portrayed the hummingbird and, and I played her and then she showed me where the hummingbird uh, came and looked and it was it was a great performance. Why, thank you. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And kind I, of made no, my day. I totally, totally understand. You've been uh, filming all these great uh, videos uh, for your work. We've talked about um, a while back on one of our uh, episodes um, about you're filming these meditation videos and you've had lots of hummingbird captures where you've caught them on video right yeah yeah but i i just have a fascination with hummingbirds uh, is what i have discovered even before this they just the way they appear to hover in midair and how quickly their um their wings are moving and then it, it took me a long time before i had seen them just like sitting on a branch and so i just love when i see hummingbirds just chilling in a tree or something yeah not doing their weird humming yeah, yeah. And then they're so loud because their wings are moving so fast that that's really fun. I en- I do enjoy picking that up um, when I'm doing videos. And then also they do these amazing, I don't know if it's a mating dance or what, but they do these amazing like they just dive down like really fast and then <laughs> go back up and then dive down. And a few times I've just been like hanging out and I get to see that. And it just, I don't know, I just I'm I'm have a fascination with hummingbirds clearly well uh i hope everyone enjoyed that teaser for the episode of obsessed we're gonna do about hummingbirds because sometimes we're like what else do, are we obsessed about that we haven't talked about and then suddenly you're like come home and you are just all about hummingbirds that's great uh what we are going to talk about this week is uh well let me first say last week we had i think a great discussion about post-vaccine life mm-hmm. and man it's just everything is moving uh, incredibly fast with uh, new decisions of what's going to be open when and what can happen when and how much of our faces can we show (laughs) when and where and to who uh so the obsession this week is kind of an extension of that it is about something that we will be able to do again uh very soon you and i and that is go to the movies our obsession is going to the movies a thing we can do again in the near future so i want to start by just getting the baseline do you think you are obsessed with going to the movies Mm. I I would say I have a level of obsession about going to movies. <laughs> well, luckily, this podcast rates <laughs> levels of obsession, so we can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what gives you, what makes you pause? Oh, um, you know, I mean, all the things that we always talk about that this podcast is not, which is rating yourself against other people. I know many people who are far more obsessed with going to the movies than I am. Yeah. Um, but there is something... There's something just kind of magical about the experience of it that I do really treasure. Okay. And look and, forward to returning to. Oh, uh, excellent. Excellent. We'll get to the magic in just a moment. But first, I think, I think I'm think i pretty obsessed. 
I think it was something that as a kid was a real treat and a real rarity. So it was a special occasion. And then because it was a special occasion, it was, it wasn't like I just saw a bunch of like, uh, I don't know, random stuff. It was, I saw stuff that was deeply important to me uh, as a kid. And what do you know, it's still important to me uh, as an adult. Uh, so I think that, and then just, uh, the the amount that it's been a part of our lives here in Los Angeles, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> strangely, come here to write, and then you know this town that makes movies. I like seeing movies. Yeah, weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all adds up. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the magic. I was curious to see if you would say the word magic before I could even get to it in my notes, <laughs> and you did because going to the movies is magical. What to you is that? essential magic of going to the movies not movies because we can watch movies in our home and we have and we do and we will but of going to a theater or a drive-in or whatever it is what is the magic of that yeah i mean i think to me it is it's (laughs) it's that quintessential magic in that it's the combination of things it's not necessarily any one thing it's the combination of going to often a place that is built to show movies, um, going there with other people to see a particular movie. And there's there's just a an extra energy in the air, often, if yeah. you're lucky, uh, when you go to a movie theater. And whether it's, you know, like a, a first-run movie or you're going to a movie theater that shows older movies or you go to the upstairs of a com- old converted movie theater <laughs> that has weird seats, but it's still fun. Um there's just something about the overall experience to me that it it adds so much to the experience of watching movies and it makes it feel like an event. Yeah, so the the special eventness to you is the the big power ultimately mm-hmm. that you can get uh, enjoyment from the physical space depending on the space, right. either because it's beautiful or it's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the communal energy that changes the actual experience of the story. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have had those moments where you have a different reaction to a film at home versus in the big theater? Oh, oh, definitely. Plus, for some films, there's the fun of, you know, whether it's something where everybody's excited about it or scared about it or sad about it. You know, the the experience of... <laughs> we're sad we're here to see this movie. <laughs> Not sad to see the movie. Uh, you know, sadness within a movie. Right. Like the experience of sharing an emotional journey with strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really it for me. I think it is the communal experience is the big thing. And, and we'll talk about it. There are some negative parts of the communal experience that make people say, you know what, I'll sit at home where uh, I can pause. And if anybody is running their mouth and talking out loud, it's me or the people in my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe I can approach them about that. So there are definitely, yeah, some some strains about the communal experience. But I think it is, um, for me, that magic is that you are taking a break from your normal life. Mm. We saw a uh, a showing of a film in the Cinerama Dome, and afterward there was a talk with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I just always remember the phrase that Samuel L. Jackson has talked many places, many interviews about liking movies. So I'm sure he said this a uh, number of places, but it, he said it uh, in this uh, interview that he loves the big dark room. Mm. And that turn of phrase really struck stuck with me. It struck me and it stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> so it struck with me. Um, 
Yeah, because I think there's something just very poetic about that turn of phrase that captures you're taking a break from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So already that, just by itself, like if we didn't have movie theaters, but we had communal quiet areas (laughs) for two hours, Mm -hmm. uh, would be great. But then the fact that you, it is a ritual and there's that anticipation as you know, the trailers begin or the the music is playing, you know, over the speakers, the little music or whatever, whatever it is in your theatrical experience that is that that pre thing that gets you hyped. Mm-hmm. And then you finally get to this main event of this a communal experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, you know, very explicit and obvious. Sometimes it's uh, laughter, right? Sometimes it's a it's shock and literal awes, right? But other times it's just like that energy that you can feel that the whole room is sad. Yeah. You can't hear people whip, <laughs> you know, weeping necessarily, but you can just feel, you know, the ebbs and flows of human energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that we don't have as many things like that in our, we don't have many events like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I have felt the same thing like on a bus <laughs> if something's <laughs> happening on the bus right wow yeah you know i'm just trying to think of like i guess it's anytime humans are together but like we can all be together in a grocery store right but we're not ha- we're all doing we're all uh playing out our own little adventures within the the grocery store we're not all having one adventure together yeah yeah i'd say like you know like live performance or live right. sporting events or things like that um have a version of it right or even if you're like say you know at a theme park if you're at disneyland like if you're on a roller coaster you're having a communal experience but then if everybody's at disneyland you're you're all having a communal experience of being at disneyland but you're not looking at the same things you're not all thinking about the same things it's that connection of Mm -hmm. we're all looking the same way we're all focusing the same way yeah except for assholes who look at their phones that's a different part of the discussion yeah it is (laughs) not a part of the magic as far as i'm concerned uh but maybe it can be uh for some people maybe it is fighting the disruption is part of the magic uh so let's like we often do go back in time to the beginning of our obsessions what is your first memory of going to the movies Mm, yeah so i have um Strong memories of going to the movies and this, honestly, this is so classic me. I don't remember what the movie was. <laughs> um, but there was a, a movie theater. My my family lived in Red Wing, Minnesota at the time, and that is the first one I remember going to. And uh, I'm going to say it was probably something like E.T. Okay. I, I, I remember seeing E.T. I don't, rem- I don't remember if, <laughs> like... <laughs> Sorry, this the t- your tone was like you were being uh, grilled by an attorney. Like I do remember seeing ET. Don't push me. Right. Um, I mean, it might have been that, but it also like every once in a while, movies would come back to theaters after they had been released. Yeah. Like I think some of the Star Wars movies might have been yeah re-released, re-released before yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yes. So it might have been that it was one of those. Oh wow. Um. But here's the thing is I don't I don't honestly remember. But uh, those are the movies that I I know at some point in my young childhood I saw were uh, E.T. and Star Wars and probably Indiana Jones. Well, that is awesome. Yeah, those are all great films, I think. But what was what what is your best recollection of what was joyful to you about it or what was different? Do you have memories of like? K 
candy or family interactions or what was it? Oh, honestly, the big dark room. <laughs> Seriously. Really? Yeah, because it was, um, I think at that point, it was still a big, you know, like kind of one of the old school movie theaters that I was probably later divided, but was still big. And, uh, it, and you know, like so you walk down to the stairs and you have the little stair lights and you sit down and there's a giant screen and there's a lot of people around. And that is that is why I don't remember the movie, because that is all I remember <laughs> is that experience of being in the big dark room. Yeah. And in a wonderful way, not in a scary way, uh, just to be clear. It was just a like, wow, I'm here. This is amazing. And there's going to be things on the screen. But I don't remember what was on the screen. Yeah. Somewhere between E.T. E- e- and uh, Indiana Jones. Yep. And, and I'm sure there'll be a crossover eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I'm 99% sure it was a, the very first film I saw was a re-release of Star Wars, of That's the first film. Amazing. But I don't remember The Big Dark Room. I, I remember uh, that it was some kind of event and there was a promotional R2-D2 there. And I remember being frightened because I thought Vader would be there. <gasps> Wow. And I already knew who Vader was because I, I had, you know, action figures and storybooks, you know. But this is an extremely, extremely foggy, dreamlike memory. I think my first concrete memory is Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Um, and I may, maybe, I, I can't remember if I, I know I saw some other films in, in and around there, but I can't remember in what order, you know, re-releases. But Empire Strikes Back was specifically, you know, I was so hyped for it. Because uh, I'd already had the action figures in the storybooks and uh, the trading cards, and I got to go on my birthday. This is in Portland, Oregon, and I remember that. I don't know if I'd ever ever be able to identify what it is now, but to my my child's mind, we had to go some way on the freeway to get to the theater that was like very high, and some freeways passing over one another with bridges. And I remember in my mind, just the trip was like. We only go this way if we are going to the movie theaters, what I had learned after, you know, that first experience. But that mm-hmm. first experience of like, this feels like I'm going to a strange <laughs> alien place. The freeways yeah. where the, the cross one over on top of one another. How can that be? And I have like just my child's level uh, memory of what like the carpet looked like and the way the light was coming into the lobby and remember just wanting to to so focus on the film and i can't remember why as a as a kid something distracted me and i looked away at that showing in this specific moment uh where you see the back of vader's head without his helmet on oh wow uh and i don't know why or what who knows you know i was quite young uh but i can't remember if it was from other kids talking or storybooks or trading cards i knew that that moment was there and i was really mad that i'd missed it <laughs> But then we went back on my brother's birthday in November and I remember being like training for months like must not miss the back of Vader's head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think a lot of um, a lot of my love of the movies probably does start from that love of being the ways that I could be immersed in Star Wars without it being about the film. So then the film became like this main treasured event. You know, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and then growing up, we didn't go to movies very often. So when we did, it was a real, real big treat, mm-hmm. uh, which only made it more, I think, seem more romantic. You mm-hmm. know, 
because uh, I can totally see how you would absolutely fall in love with the experience if you went every week because there is that love of the familiar and your old friend. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I eventually have that <laughs> experience, that love of movies. But growing up, it was definitely the utter rarity of it. Yeah. It was amazing. You yeah, know? absolutely. Did you go to movies very often? Um, no, not when, certainly not when we, I was young. Okay. And do you have a favorite memory of going to the movies as a teen or a young adult when you are starting to have sort of either, either going to the movie with other people who are not your family mm-hmm. or having agency to say, I'm picking this movie. We must go to this movie. Um, Honestly, but not suit like a supersonic. Yes, this is the memory. But I, I certainly have strong memories of going to the movies with friends, and uh, you know that there's that thing right around the time. At least it was a big deal then. If you went to something that was PG thirteen, and like where all of your friends were at in terms of ages, um, and also how old you looked, whether or not you were old enough. Uh, like one of my friends who was old enough just looked very young, so it was always hard. You know, yeah. you, you, I, I, I don't. What did we show? We didn't have IDs, school IDs. I don't yeah, I have no idea maybe. how we got in. Um, but uh, yeah, so certainly, you know, kind parents of, dropping you off, going yes, maybe, probably. Yeah, I, I think I, that definitely happened a few times. Um, so yeah, just kind of having that, you know, spreading your wings experience. Yeah, <laughs> spreading your thirteen-year-old wings. Yeah, right. or or whatever age, yeah. but yeah, and like you know, going and with friends as you get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I re- have a a vague recollection of going to, I believe, a Naked Gun movie, mm. uh, which has, if you're not familiar with it, has body adult humor. Uh, and I went with a a bunch of friends. Um, I had, I think this was. This was in junior high, I believe, and uh, and I had lots of different friends, but I had a group of friends who I was the only boy in the friend group, and I, so I think I went with like three or four girls, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I we all laughed at the movie, we all thought it was funny because we we're all getting to that age where you know we understood the jokes, <laughs> mm-hmm. did not have the life experiences, so the jokes were this sort of tantalizing peek into being an adult and uh, finding all those kind of jokes funny. Uh, and then, so we got dropped off by one of the girl's dads. Then we got picked up again. And I would, I think I was just sort of like, um, yeah, full of, full of energy because (laughs) I got to see all these, uh, you know, uh, naughty jokes. And I think I didn't know yet that I wanted to be a comedian at all in any real sense, but I had already figured out that I could, you know, get attention by making jokes. And Mm -hmm. that's largely, uh, why I had the friends I did because, I was the the weird guy or the silly guy or the guy who said naughty things. <laughs> <laughs> the power, the power. Uh, and I think I was just riding high. We got in the car and uh, the the dad driving was like, so how was the movie? And everybody's like, it was good. And he was like, any good parts? And I started launching into like, yeah, I love this. Really not. And, and they were all like, no, no, shush. <laughs> <laughs> and shush me before I could just start, uh, you know, riffing on adult material in the car. <laughs> so that was kind of magical oh, in its own way. Yeah, what a wonderful experience. <laughs> wonderful yeah. image in my mind now. <laughs> um, so let's jump uh, forward to uh, to closer to now times. Yeah. What are some of your favorite uh, memories of going to the movies as an adult? 
Yeah. So honestly, I have a lot of favorite movies, um, movies, a lot of favorite memories going to the movies uh, here in Los Angeles. But I do also want to mention before that. So I used to live semi close to a kind of a smaller, um, older theater that was had been divided. And uh, the downstairs felt like a normal theater. But then there was a like, it was like an old theater, like with a balcony and the balcony had been turned into this weird little upstairs theater. Yeah. And uh, I didn't see that many things there. And honestly, I wish I had taken better advantage of it. But I really enjoyed just that experience because it was a little, um, it just, it felt a little weird, but not in a bad way, just in a like, a neighborhood movie way and they would often keep things there longer that they knew there were kind of dedicated people who wanted to see them but they weren't going to be the money the movies that brought in money yeah like the movies that brought in money went to the main theater and this was where you would see kind of you know sometimes like art house that films or sometimes things that were just a little bit harder to see and you know like always i was often performing or working evenings and weekends so i would take me a while to get to something so we'd be like oh is it still going to be there uh so it was always felt like a achievement if yeah. i made to see made it to see a film that was there yeah i'm trying to remember the name of the theater oh the grandview theater the grandview in, theater in st paul minnesota yes this is so amazing because i have so many different memories and i in my mind i kind of broke it up between minneapolis and in los angeles mm-hmm. uh many many memories but the one that i went to when i sat down to make my notes of of what i really wanted to share from minneapolis strangely is grandview theater in that space <laughs> Uh, and we did not talk about this. That space was, in my memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was small enough that it was not the big dark room. It was the large for a living room room. Like, it was intimate. I want to say it was probably definitely under 50 seats, maybe like 35 seats. Yeah, so it was this weird, like, it didn't feel anything like being in, you know, like a little auditorium in a library or a college or anything like that. It still felt like a theater, but it was teeny tiny. It was so, like, this is a theater, but also a little bit too intimate to be a theater. A little too (laughs) close to the screen, all that. So, anyway... Uh, 2001, uh, I went to see uh, the David Lynch film Mulholland Drive. There? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about it showing Art House, like, and I can't remember what was showing, you know, down downstairs, you know, I, who knows? Uh, maybe probably some Adam Sandler movie. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I was very excited to see it. You know, it had been a little while since uh, since Lynch had put out a film. And there, there were not, it, it was a matinee and there mm-hmm. were not many people there, uh, besides myself and the person I went with, I think there were more people than just us in these other people, but there were two, uh, older women who clearly just went to every film there. That yeah. was truly just like what they did on Wednesday afternoon mm-hmm. is saw the upstairs movie. At the Grandview. Yep. Uh, and I think that we overheard them saying this mm-hmm. before the film. And I think I was really like, I don't know if they know who David Lynch is or what they are in for. Like, I hadn't seen Mulholland Drive yet uh, yeah. either. Uh, and so Mulholland Drive plays. It has, you know, a lot of uh, Lynchian moments of uh, weird comedy or dark comedy and definitely uh, sexual themes, all sorts of stuff. It has uh, some weird twists in identity and meaning and plenty of uh, ambiguity for uh, 
as David Lynch says, for the audience uh, to have room to dream. Uh, so the film that does not have a super definitive ending, it has mm-hmm. endings that are opening uh, for interpretation, ends, and the credits roll, and then these two uh, older women uh, stand up, and one of them says the other, well, I'd have to see that one again. <laughs> so it was nothing negative. It was just really like the like, yeah, that one was a thinker. Anyway, what's next? Like it was. It'll still be here next week. So we'll be again. We'll be back again. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I almost wish that I had gone back the next week to see if they literally watched Mall and Drive again. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And that is amazing that that is uh, where you saw that because I didn't realize that. And that that is also one that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what else for you? Yeah. Okay. So this is the problem is once we get me going uh, and I haven't had time to pre-think about this. So now my brain is whirring. Like a hummingbird. Yeah, exactly. Not worrying, but whir, whir. Um, So two other specific ones uh, in the Twin Cities. Oh, wow. We're not even to Los Angeles. Oh, I think you're obsessed. (laughs) Um, So... I have not seen the movie since it came out, but my um, brother and I, uh, I lived in Minneapolis. He had recently moved, but I think I had recently moved there. He had recently moved there and we're like, let's go hang out and do something that's around the holidays. So we decided to go see um, Polar Express in 3D and 3D is, you know, like a a new thing. And uh, it was at the IMAX at the zoo and until a 30 seconds before the movie started, we thought we were going to be the only two people there to see it. And this is like one of those, what, 400 seat theaters. (laughs) So there was no one there. And it was also like, I don't know, New Year's Eve day or so. Like it was it was right around the holidays. But just that experience of going to see something new and like technically interesting yeah, uh, because of the the 3D thing and how it was filmed and all of the things that we were all very fascinated with at the time that I don't remember all of. Um, and uh, I did not go to see a lot of movies with my brother, just the two of us. Yeah. So that by itself was a very special experience and that we both wanted to see this and kind of knew that nobody else around us wanted to. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> you want to go see it. You want to go see it. Let's go see it. Um, so that was... Just that experience of seeing some a new technology come out, yeah. Um, and in a, a the big giant dark room that is not supposed to be empty, yeah, <laughs> was really fun <laughs> to have the communal experience with uh, yeah. four people, right? Yeah, not not even there's one other person in us, so there are a total of three people. Okay, and did now did that person sit right next to you? No, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness, we were like. Pretty far up in center, and they were kind of center, center. So a good, like, six rows away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I love that when that happens, if there is a theater where there is uh, <laughs> pre-bought tickets, and people buy the best seats, and then it doesn't fill up, and then it's just like, there are six people, and they're all, they, none of them know each other, and yeah. they're all sitting together. <laughs> right. Hello. That happened to me at a screening of a matinee of uh, Deadpool. And wow. before the movie, everybody looked at each other and everybody's like, no, <laughs> and spread out throughout the theater. I love it. I yeah. Love okay. It. So See, that's the it's first all one. these experiences. Yeah. Um, the other one there was, so uh, I don't recall how much I've talked about it on um, Obsessed before, but I am obsessed with Sid Therese. Yes. The dancer, actress, uh, performer. And she, there was a... I'm sorry, there's a dance film festival and 
she was still alive, obviously, and she came to the festival. And nice. so she uh, and I went with a bunch of people that I danced with at the time and was so excited because she was coming to Minneapolis, which, you know, is not Los Angeles where you get things like this all the time. And we, you know, got tickets. I was getting to see Sid Therese, who is, you know, about one of the people that I would be top of my list, especially of like kind of golden era stars to see in person. Mm -hmm. And then and she spoke about her experiences dancing in the movies um, and introduced the film and then announced that the reason that this particular film was being shown is because it was her favorite of her films. Wow. And it was Silk Stockings, which is my favorite of her films. And I didn't know that ahead of time. So then like, so getting to see that, that experience of getting to see a movie like Silk Stockings, which I adore on a big screen just by itself is a giant experience. And then getting to see Citrice introduce it was just like, my brain exploded with joy. Yeah. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's such a different experience you know, it's one thing to go to a, you know, a hotly anticipated new film. And mm-hmm. there's that tension in the room of, are is it going to be, you know, quote unquote, good? Is the room going to love it? Or is it going to be this weird sort of cold reception, that tension of what is it going to be? Mm-hmm. It's such a different thing to see a film that people love and they are going to see it again. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, an event like that of like, we are all like uber fans of this. We're not just checking it out, seeing if it's good. Like I, those kind of experiences where you are in a sort of room of unconditional love for a specific film. Yeah. And like, uh, particularly if it's an event where it's like tied to the performer, right? Mm-hmm. And the performer hits the screen and everybody screams. And I think that experience of getting to be in a room full of unconditional love for the film is a great communal experience. Yeah. Yeah. So there, that's my Minneapolis trio. I'll let you go. Well, this is great because (laughs) I know that you have shared the Sid Cherie's story uh, and we've talked about it, but I don't know if I've heard that detail where you were like, Silk Stockings is my favorite too. (laughs) You go, Sid (laughs) Cherie's, which is a great detail. Uh, Yeah, I want to move uh, toward, well, you know what, since you shared uh, a couple of Minneapolis ones, I'll (laughs) share one more Minneapolis one. Uh, there, there's so many, many, many I could share. Uh, such a little geek. Uh, I remember being super excited to go to Star Trek for uh, the voyage home and thinking about that when I was on the way home from school going on, I am on my voyage home. And then when I get home, we can go to the theater. Anyway. Aww, uh, such a thematic brain. <laughs> yes. And that was quite young as well. No, the other one I wanted to share because it's just kind of bonkers and fun. And I think an example of sometimes the the unison with the material versus the tension of the space uh, versus the space or or the tension between the two either the union of the space in the movie or the tension between the space and the movie is what i mean to say um so mall of america had just opened mm-hmm. uh, and mall of america you know if anybody isn't familiar with it it's a very large mall mm-hmm. people who come to minneapolis are always like i gotta check this out it is a very large mall <laughs> in a circle with mm-hmm. four levels <laughs> but it was a big deal and then it has an amusement uh park in the center which i get it i get it it's a it's a curiosity um but you know it was so hyped it finally came it was uh it, and i had so i was i went there for the first time at a time where i was definitely like a young hipster and definitely like i'm not sure about this you know uh, monument to to capitalism and to conformity more than anything mm-hmm. uh because I 
like the capitalism that brought me things I liked, <laughs> but more the, like that conformity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the mall and get all, let's all find the same clothes and be samey. You know, that was the attitude and the energy that I had. Uh, so went there, uh, got, I can't remember what I bought. I think I bought uh, Converse shoes because at the time that felt rebellious, but probably wasn't at the time. Uh, but it uh, the theater had just opened up and they had, it was a multiplex, a uh, big multiplex. And one of the films that was showing, another David Lynch film, was uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which oh, wow. I had already seen once. And that was kind of back in the day where like, well, you see a movie, right? And then and then you're good. <laughs> you saw it. Uh, but I was like, no, I want to see it again. And I thought it was uh, like uh, my family had all gone to the Mall of America and was going to spend like, hours there like it was a theme park uh and we're like screw it you know we're done we're not gonna shop anymore we're not gonna walk around and look at the pretzel stands and in the watch stands uh we're going to watch uh firewalk with me again and it felt like this great sort of um like uh, uh this contrast this sort of like all right i will go to this four level mall <laughs> this uh, cathedral to conformity and I will see a film that is very much not conforming to anything at all and that was a really fun experience to have that contrast but of, of venue and the art being shown in the venue yeah that's wonderful yeah yeah so that's my other uh, Minneapolis one technically Bloomington <laughs> anyway uh, shall we go to Los Angeles in yeah. our in our going to the movies memories? Yeah, why don't you kick us off for Los Angeles? Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So we've had many great, great, so many great movie uh, movie going experiences. But the one I had to pick out because it is, I think, in some ways, uh, one of the best communal experiences. Uh, the all the Star Wars films have been great. Uh, many of the Marvel films have been absolutely amazing. But I think for me. Uh, seeing Endgame might be one of the most uh, uh, just unique communal experiences uh, because Star Wars and lots of the MCU, like people laughed, people cheered, people enjoyed it, people came in costumes, sense of community, all that stuff. Something different happened to me as a human <laughs> during yeah. the Endgame showing. So uh, at this point, we we go to a couple different theaters, but we'll talk about the ArcLight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we go to the ArcLight in Hollywood in particular. Uh, we have our favorite seats that we can pre-purchase, which I like sitting in the back because then don't have to, can limit the amount of people around me who could cause a problem. Mm-hmm. But Endgame wasn't, I, I had my system down, but still wasn't fast enough on the draw. Couldn't sit in our normal seats. Right. So we were uh, seated like way on the end of an aisle in like kind of smack dab in the middle of the of the theater but on the aisle so it was already a little like okay so happy to be here the energy is amazing uh as everybody's waiting to see what happens in avengers endgame uh but a little out of the element and then it was like that kind of unconditional love for a film that people already know Mm. that we were talking about mm-hmm. like the film started and it obviously it surprised people the the five-year leap the uh the uh thor dealing with trauma like there's beats that surprised people so people were engaged uh but there was also just this feeling of every single person in that room it felt like to me knew and loved the mcu 
And it was mm-hmm. a culmination of not just these films, but for every human being in that room, what it felt like to me was a culmination of whatever personal journey they went on with the MCU, mm. right? Of, of It feels like you could have interviewed every one of those hundreds of people of, when did you first see Iron Man? What did you think was going to happen next? And like that they would have a story. That there was that sense of investment. And I have never quite had a movie-going experience that reached that level of like a rock concert where there was abandon. And like <laughs> I felt free to make whatever noise escape my body. Like I felt okay to applaud, to cheer, to laugh. But this was just next level of like, as long as it's true, anything goes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember moments like, spoilers for Endgame, uh, like as soon as Cap even got near the possibility of getting on an elevator, the whole crowd was like, oh, no, <laughs> because there was that level of investment and knowledge of like that. He, well, we know what happened in the elevator in Winter Soldier. What's going to happen? Right. Yeah. So there's those moments of recognition and investment and all of this that I'm building towards for me is the hammer moment of the sounds that were coming out of that theater and coming out of me (laughs) so far before we actually saw cap wielding the hammer it you know the the way the scene is constructed it's already emotional uh cap thor iron man feel so devastated that they couldn't stop thanos before he's before them again there's even that great dialogue about uh, you know they don't care why they're doing it, if it's for vengeance or not, or to stop him. They're just doing it. Uh, and then they're immediately not, it's not going well. And Thanos is, you know, killing Thor. And so you're at that pitch perfect level of investment uh, of no, not again. And it's really well constructed because we, the audience, went through this mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of you know, going to that depth of depression of our heroes losing in the previous film. And then Thor kind of even looks over to the hammer and just in the screen direction of where the hammer is has fallen and people started to lose it like that was <laughs> that was that level of understanding yeah and the 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 i remember as the hammer began to vibrate that's when noises came out of my body because i knew it was coming and it was in that audience that knew it was coming from even the tiniest of breadcrumbs visually and then just the utter explosion when it did fly you know, and I don't think e- people even got to hear Thor say, I knew it because the audience oh. was screaming. I knew it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was just because it was a moment that sort of took the idea of the big dark room and the communal experience mm-hmm. and took it to a level of investment that I personally felt and the whole room felt and like, it any amount of investment was understood and encouraged. Yeah. 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 So That's just for me, beautiful. it went a little bit beyond like, it was a great moment and we all cheered. Yeah. Oh, no, it went so far beyond that. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Uh, anyway. No, no, this is this is beautiful <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful. And it's so, I, I mean, just in the practical, yes, the number of lines that we missed in that movie the first time that we saw it because <laughs> the room was so loud and not in a, bad way but everybody was so into it yeah that yeah that was uh, 
that that's a great way of putting it of that everybody had their own journey to get there yeah yeah and you could just feel it it was really really a great and beautiful you know testament to storytelling and you know i'll take any amount of uh people wanting to have serious friendly and kind conversations about the construction of those films and there's got to be room in the market for films other than superhero films and all those discussions but when people just say like uh but it's just people punching it doesn't have meaning is like you go to a room like that mm. with hundreds of people and replicated across the country uh, probably across the world uh i would assume there's that same level of investment and like th- these movies do mean things to people and you wouldn't get that level of investment if people didn't know the characters and hadn't gone on a long journey with them mm-hmm. anyway yeah what are some of your memories? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. That's that's a beautiful one. Well, I'm going to actually tie into that with one of mine, uh, which is actually seeing Infinity War. Was mm. a, is a big one that sticks with me. Um, is in specifically the ending of Infinity War, because we saw it, and I remember so clearly. We were um, we also saw that one at the Arclight Hollywood in the Cinerama Dome, and. It was getting toward the end and the movie ended and everybody just sat there <laughs> with just a like, what? And you could just hear all the conversations start to bubble primarily in whispers. A few people like, but that's not, wait, what? Are they really going <laughs> to? We're just here now? Like all of these people starting to put it together and people turning to their friends who maybe knew more about it of like, but that's not, are they gone? What? They can't Now we have to wait? What? Like, and just that feeling of everybody putting together the pieces at the end of Infinity War because that's what (laughs) I was doing. So this was my experience of like having the communal experience of everybody doing that together at the same time. Uh, At least everybody around us was just, uh, it, 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 it did it brings you into the feeling that everybody is part of this story and uh and i don't know it was in a different way from you know any other um at least for me at a different sort of experience than any other ongoing story that i've seen in movie format there just there was a real just kind of like like everybody just needed to take a moment to take a breath because they had just stopped breathing for a minute yeah and that collective sense of what what now yeah i remember when the logo turns to dust yeah it that feels like the extra f you that people like oh like they felt attacked by it yeah and maybe there was that but to me there was i did not feel like what no like there wasn't there was no that i remember in my mind and i might be entirely wrong i might have been focusing on like two other people's experiences of my own (laughs) uh there was no there was no loudness there was yeah. The, the reaction was was a oh yeah. There was stillness. There was that you had stopped breathing. There was kind of trying to figure it out, but you were kind of whispering <laughs> because you were kind of worried you had turned to dust. Also, like okay. there's just such I don't know. Yeah. So that was just uh, tying into your a good shell shock feeling. One. Yeah, I remember that that just being a, extremely effective, right? Uh, uh, and being able to feel that like great subversion of even though many of people in the audience are well aware this is comic book on screen this kind of comic book thing happens all the time Mm -hmm. 
uh, that great feeling of, but we don't see this in movies. You yeah. know, we don't see the villain win definitively in these kind of movies and not really even have that sort of spark of hope. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the very end credit trailer with, you know, uh, with Fury calling Captain Marvel, you know, if you know it. The thing that I remember is everybody kind of standing up and starting to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that there were the people in the room who were a little bit more like movie fans and MCU fans and people who are a little bit more dyed in the wool comic book fans. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing all these little counseling conversations yeah. of like the more comic book fans going, it's okay. Uh, they do this this kind of thing. It's really effective. It's really great, right? And I remember one of those things of of uh, two people near us saying like, "Okay, it's gonna now the fun is how are they gonna come back? Because they're gonna come back and they're gonna beat Thanos." And then another guy I, who I don't think knew them said, "How are they gonna beat Thanos? They're all dead." <laughs> <laughs> Just being truly deeply emotionally affected me like, "How they're dead?" Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that that's a really good point because that was part of it. And and again, maybe it was just kind of like the rose around us. But it was clearly people turning to the people that they were not with and commiserating or trying to get counseling from. Yeah. And like everybody was just like, wait, what? Uh, help. And it was <laughs> this like coming together in a different sort of way than what you usually see in a movie theater. Yeah. Communal. Communal. Best part of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a great one. Thank you. Got you. some more? Of course. Um, so I, I will limit myself to two. One is I just want to throw out one because, um, I mean, I'm sure it happens all over the place, but it, it feels very, um, very much like an experience to have in Los Angeles. And, uh, just fair warning, all of these are at the Hollywood Arclight, um, (laughs) not even intentionally, but you and I went to a film, um, two, three years ago that I always call the wrong name called Making Waves. Or making sound. Oh yeah, or something like that. I, I, I tried to Google this the other day, <laughs> and I think I ended up looking up the Lars Ventura film "Breaking the Waves," which is not uh, anyway. Yes, yeah, it was a great documentary. Yes, it was about a document- sound design. Yeah, about sound design and about the different si- the different um, the three different parts of sound design, and. And the uh, actual technology behind it and all that. Yeah. 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 And where different things had come from and how they had been discovered and some of the things that were being worked on by different people at the same time without them knowing it. And, and also really bringing in like, here's the movie that really brought us stereo and this is why. And, yeah. you know, some of those things and some of them are movies that you would, that you know for their sound design and some are not ones that you know for their, or at least to me, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure sound design people do. But it just, it was, to me, an amazing movie, amazingly well done, so interesting, and a really good crowd that was so invested in being there. And uh, so just that experience of seeing something that was that was not a story. Uh, I mean, I obviously, like, we have gone to plenty of the other ones that I'm not talking about are also documentaries. But um, <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about that that it has stuck with me, and it's one of those experiences. Not just the movie, but the experience of being in the theater for that movie, of being in the big dark room with that communal experience of people, I think, with a wide range of um, uh, understanding of what they were going to see. Yeah. Uh, But everybody coming there together to learn something, to enjoy something. It just, Just it was just one of those. Yeah, it was just a really magical moment to me. It was a really good one. And that's also a a big thing with the Arclight is the one in Hollywood in particular had become 
yes, we we play the blockbusters and we pack them to the screens, uh, but they really started in their programming making a ton of room for anything smaller indie. Mm-hmm. And this was a small indie documentary. This was not a major release. Yeah. Um, and so I think a part of, for me, being in, in that room was this was a you know a big theater in in the heart of the neighborhood of Hollywood showing a documentary that celebrates you know the real creativity and ingenuity and drive of mostly unsung or undersung people mm-hmm. in Hollywood and having a bunch of people kind of come to the arc light to film nerds or film curious to really celebrate the art of it yeah, you know, and I think there is that thing that there's there's so much uh, around movies and Hollywood and storytelling to be questioned and examined and changed, but there can be this strain uh, when you get to know like just you know you're kind of your day to day people who are like yeah that's my job I'm in sound design or yeah what uh, what did you do do today oh I I de-aged uh, five frames of Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. You know, like that it was it's just my job in, you know, I'm not walking red carpets. I, mm-hmm. you know, just that that appreciation of the humans who do the work. Right. And this was a film that was mostly about the humans who do the work. And I think there are a lot of humans who do the work in that room with us mm-hmm. watching it. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one. Yeah. And then the last one I'm going to talk about for right now, just to bring it all full circle is, um, again, as I mentioned, at the Hollywood Arclight, uh, one of the first uh, movies that you and I had gone to of their kind of classic series. Yes. Is we went to see E.T. That's right. There. And here's the thing. I don't know how many times I've seen all of E.T., but it has been a long time and I did not remember a lot of it, (laughs) uh, including uh, some really sad parts of it. And, uh, like I, I honestly, I just, anyway, so I was crying. Uh, I am a absolute crier movies, TV shows, whatever, take your pick. I, I am a crier pizza places. It happens <laughs> pretty much, you know, walking down the street, <laughs> sing a hummingbird, I'll cry. Uh, but I was crying and it had never occurred to me that I'd be crying and the, it was packed. It was totally full and, uh, in one of their big spaces and the, lovely lady next to me was prepared with her friend like she and her friend were prepared they were ready (laughs) and she just looked over at me and she just offered me her little packet of kleenexes and and like it was during the movie so there's no talking so she just offered it to me and i could just take what and afterwards we talked about how sad it was and talking about that communal experience um and i just wanted to bring it back full circle to possibly seeing et early on in yeah great full circle yeah et stands for extra tears i think that's the actual (laughs) (laughs) say say the extraterrestrial but it's extra tears uh so uh want to talk a little bit about the actual theaters right Uh, yeah the buildings and i want to uh take a moment to mourn for the arc light (sighs) for the moment uh for uh, anybody who doesn't know, so the Arclight is a chain. They have uh, theaters in Chicago and a couple of other places. They have multiple uh, big theaters in uh, Los Angeles. The one that is walking distance from our apartment, Arclight Hollywood, 
has a, a really great modern building, uh, purpose-built to be uh, multi-screen. Mm-hmm. It's attached to the old, famous Cinerama Dome. Uh, talk about some amazing experiences we've had in the Cinerama Dome, mm-hmm. uh, including that they can still show Cinerama Dome uh, films, yeah. the three-strip uh, process, where it's three different projectors all lined up showing it so it can be... So that that was the technology. Yeah, you know, we saw that weird documentary about touring through Russia. Yeah, uh, narrated by Bing Crosby, I believe. Yeah, it was amazing. We saw yeah. yeah how the West was won. How the West was won, where people applauded for the projectionists because it takes three people to be in sync and ride those machines to make sure the image stays in sync. Yeah, yeah. So it's attached to the Cinerama Dome, uh, and they have announced that. Uh, they couldn't, they can't reopen. They can't find a way. And it was a shock. Uh, people are very upset. Uh, and obviously many, many losses and many things to be upset about. This hit hard for me because, uh, Arclight Hollywood is, uh, and, and been to the other Arclights and they're great as well. But the Arclight Hollywood, the, the new, the newer building is built with this large circular lobby that I think really uh, uh, echoes the energy of the Cinerama Dome, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, good design for building a new structure to be attached to uh, an existing structure. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had this restaurant on the lower floor, uh, but then it also had this kind of extra restaurant bar area on the second floor lobby, which was entirely open and you could see everything. So this massive space with this massive sign reading like all of the different films showing uh, Arclight has this great logo of this huge clock that's just very, very distinctive. Uh, so if you, particularly if you stood on, you could get a cocktail and stand on the edge of that second floor balcony bar and look down, you'd see all the people eating, you'd see all the people coming through the lobby, greeting one another. And just on a random Saturday, hell, a random, random Wednesday afternoon, the way this space was built captured the energy of community just in the lobby. Yeah. And everything that, that you said so eloquently at the top of our podcast about the magic of going to the theater is, you know, capturing the energy of we're doing something special. We're making a choice to do this with our time and we are meeting friends and it is a place of community. You could feel that in the lobby. I always thought like, this place is just sort of like a testament, a celebration, not just to movies, but to the movie going experience, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's not just the building was constructed amazingly to capture everything that the building is, exists for. Uh, but then, like I said, they did they do the arc like presents, you know, we've got to see E.T. in King Kong in the original Dracula in theaters. Uh, with people they show the blockbusters but they show lots of small indies we saw brigsby bear which did not get that wide of a release yeah you know and one of the actors was there and his the family stood up and applauded for him at the end it's like uh, our kid did that yeah like, uh it, it wasn't it's not just a multiplex for blockbusters mm-hmm. it really in the programming it really celebrated everything about about films about the industry all sorts of just um, amazing so the themed drinks uh, that they w- used to do yeah. uh, I remember for Age of Ultron they had a drink for every Avenger and Hulk's was just uh, lime juice and tequila which I thought was <laughs> perfectly capturing the Hulk so uh, 
the Cinerama Dome uh, can't be torn down. Uh, so there's hope for the Cinerama Dome. I still have hope that some uh, some other company will swoop in and, and try to operate the space because that's a lot of screens to lose just financially. Yeah, it's um, like 14 screens or something. Yeah. I just wanted to to take a moment to uh, celebrate uh, that space and just how much it meant uh, to me. It was so fun to be walking distance from it. And, you know, Los Angeles can, there's many things I love about it, but it can be a hard city. And certainly trying to work in uh, the industry, uh, getting work and selling TV shows and movies can be hard. And every time I walked into that building, it was nothing but love and hope for telling stories. Mm. And that that's why it was hard for me. Not that was like my local movie theater shut down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, a, a beautiful tribute. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you have anything that you wanted to share or add? Uh, I, I mean, you said everything beautifully. I, but I agree <laughs> <laughs> um, that it uh, thinking about it, not remember what I said about being a crier, thinking about it not being there brings tears to my eyes, including just when I'm like driving home from work and drive past it and go yeah. like, oh. um, yeah, no, I think it's just, yeah, it, it celebrates. I think you the, what you said about it celebrating the experience of going to the movies is so, so true. And, you know, in our time here, we've had so many um, wonderful experiences there. I feel like we have so many friends who you know, used to work at the Arclight, you know, in the bar selling, you know, at the concession stand and so many people who have their Arclight stories. Um, yeah. Not the official Arclight stories the, that they show at the end of the movies, <laughs> but like their own, you know, meeting people there, making friends there and, and all of that experience. It just, it really, when we first moved to Los Angeles, I was one of the things that when people were like, what do you like? And I was like, there's this amazing movie theater that we can walk to. Yeah. And that was it always felt a little weird to say like people wouldn't understand, but people without even knowing the theater, like that's really cool. Yeah. And so I, um, I'm, I'm really hopeful, um, both for, both for the Cinerama Dome. Cause we all, we all know this, this in the historic preservation world that historic protections are good, but not foolproof. So, yeah. uh, hoping those kick in. And, and I honestly, I just, I love the architecture of the modern building as well. It is, um, so great and i hope that it gets saved and i do want to clarify for people who have not seen the cinerama dome it's a geodesic dome so it's taking buckminster fuller's ideas um and so from the outside you're seeing a geodesic dome so it's amazing from the outside it's amazing from the inside yeah and it was amazing to see once upon a time in hollywood inside that dome that then shows an image of that dome yeah (laughs) very weird yeah the other the only i could do hours and hours on Arclight Memories. But the only other one I really wanted to share is, again, being up on that second floor bar, looking down. That was always fun. But the big nights where there was a premiere, it was untouchable. And in particular, um, definitely many of the MCU movies. But a specific shout out to Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Like what an incredible experience that was uh, to see that lobby so packed and to see people wearing all sorts of uh, different, uh, you know, outfits to just celebrate not only what what Black Panther is in MCU, but just what it was as a cultural event. And, you know, I'm really happy that I got to be a 
a small part of that. And in a space that it wasn't just another movie by any means, it was a huge celebration. Yeah, yeah. No, that is that is definitely up there on one of my favorite movie going experiences ever. Yeah. Um, and I will do one other shout out <laughs> so that you don't always have to be the person who talks about Star Wars. Uh, but going to see the um the Star Wars movies there as they were released. Mm-hmm. Um uh, honestly any of them, but I'm I'm gonna start with the Force or I'm gonna choose the Force Awakens uh to go there and just the energy of everybody going there of you know little kids you know dressed up as ray and you know everything and then being on that balcony afterwards and seeing the entire board with their 15 theaters every single one being star wars you know the force awakens at, you know, for some of the openings, at least overnight, you know, like yeah. 2 a.m. showings, 3 a.m. showings, and just that feeling of of celebration for something, things that are that big and, you know, and just to kind of to see, I know Star Wars never went away, but to see Star Wars coming back. Yes. And the energy with which it was embraced by the community who had been fans for a long time absolutely brand new fans young or older like we have friends who are you know our age who hadn't seen it before then and like we're just to see that community coming together and and to literally be standing on the balcony getting to see it and feel the energy just like rise up and lift everybody within the space yeah no um, uh, so powerful well uh, one one more acolyte <laughs> memory and i'll let it go so one the other thing about the the whole chain is it's a real communal thing of you know being able to kind of joke about it because they do things differently it's sort of like you know your local movie chain does the things a certain way your local maybe you have a fast food place that not everybody has and everybody knows this joke about that this spiel they do uh arclight has a thing where uh the the employees give a little speech and it changes a little bit you can really tell the people who are just there because they love movies you can really tell the people who are working there who are frustrated stand-ups who try to work in a couple jokes (laughs) uh there are people who are totally into giving a little speech and and people who are like i can't believe i have to give this speech again it's a part of the experience Mm -hmm. like every once in a while i'll be like i need to pee one more time before the movie and like ah did i miss the arc light employee speech (laughs) and when we saw last jedi ryan johnson wanted to sneak in and and put on the arc light shirt and do the introduction and he made a bunch of funny jokes about this is directed by someone named rian johnson it's two hours and whatever the runtime is for last night. A long movie. Almost seems too long. Like, <laughs> but that's because again, he's somebody who loves theaters and he that's just his movie theater mm-hmm. that he goes to. Yeah. Uh so there's that sense of community, which isn't a like a like I go to the same movie theater as Ryan Johnson. To me, it was about that community. Yeah. Of like, in that moment, he it was cool because he directed the movie or whatever whatever, but it wasn't like a celebrity sighting. It was like he was getting to nerd out because his movie is playing at the theater he goes to. And mm-hmm. that's what made it yeah. so feel he special gets to give in like community. Spiel. Yeah, like yeah. I get to give the spiel about my movie, <laughs> you know. That's what made it really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then when Rise of Skywalker opened, it was the same night as Cats. And that was a real weird combined energy. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that. Wow. All right. So okay. let's move on. Yep. Uh, besides Arclight, what other sort of physical spaces have made you enjoy the movies more when you've gone to see a movie 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I I could not be myself without saying all of the amazing, wonderful old theaters. I mean, I am I am a an old building buff. I'm an architecture buff. I am a old theater, whether it's a stage theater or a movie theater buff, like all of the buffs come together. <laughs> <laughs> Fully clothed, because we're at the movies. Um, but going to see uh, you know, old theaters, whether I, you know, like I mentioned, the the very first theater that I went to was you know, like it wasn't a fancy movie palace, but it was an old style movie theater. Yeah. Um, so everything from that to the one that I mentioned in St. Paul, which was also an old style theater to um, to some of the amazing uh, movie palaces, because I just don't think there is the other words are appropriate for them. Yeah. Palace. Well, because <laughs> they're, they're designed to be. They are. And you've got, you know, from the intricate detail of the you know ceilings and thematic ideas that you have behind some of these movie palaces right like it's based on this greek god exactly exactly or this one we want to be mayan and this one we're going to have be you know this styles in this year and we don't have one here yet (laughs) so um so i absolutely love all of those and i also there's something about the the neighborhood movie theaters Mm. that i do love like the one that i mentioned in saint paul like the um the few times we've gone to the um los Stipulas theater here but some of the the and other ones here as well that's just the one i'm thinking of off the top of my head that have a little bit of a like we're gonna go to the movies and we also might see our neighbors and also this has been here longer than we've been here and, and yeah i just i don't Connects know i just us through love time that. yeah i love that feeling yeah, and there's a great uh, program in Los Angeles, Last Remaining Seats, that shows classic movies in old venues, some of which are not normally open at all. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, so that, that's really great. Uh, I picked out two, uh, one from Minneapolis and one from Los Angeles. So for Los Angeles, uh, there is the theater owned by Disney, El Capitan. Mm. Uh, and that's it's a, a beautiful space in a nice theater, uh, you know, it, old school uh, I think uh, has the organ, right? Yes. Uh, that they play before the movies that can rise up and down. Uh, and yeah, when it's time for the movie to start, the organ player, you know, says goodbye and goes back down. There are uh, displays, costume displays in the basement. So it's very much an event. But I think the thing that really uh, makes it special is there's always some kind of a weird pre-show. Like we've mm-hmm. seen Star Wars movies where it's like a laser light show. And I think there's like a laser light show um, for Last Jedi where there was an actor who kind of posed as Ray for part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, it was just kind of a laser light music show. Uh, the first film we saw there was uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah. And there were, it was actual performance from uh, an actor and some Muppets. Yeah. Like just an actual like old school pre-show comedy before the movie yeah no and not just some muppets i believe it was kermit and miss piggy yeah and i didn't mean like you know some (laughs) random muppets like (laughs) yeah that i mean that one floors me to this day that was amazing yeah so that that everything about that it is disney owned and it is very much the sort of theme park philosophy applied to a movie going experience of this is going to be an experience Mm -hmm. uh and and it really really works so el capitan is uh, really great um but the one in Minneapolis I wanted to share is it's not about it being a palace. It's almost more about it being sort of like, this is just popcorn everywhere, <laughs> uh, sticky floors, uh, seats aren't even raked that well. It's just like kind of old school uh, movie house, you know, uh, but it's where it's located. It is the uh, St. Anthony Main Theater. <laughs> 
Uh, so if anybody doesn't know Minneapolis, uh, the St. Anthony Main Theater is right on the banks of the Mississippi, uh, right in the, the heart of, uh, of the city, uh, very near the St. Anthony Falls, which is the reason that the city of Minneapolis exists at all. And it's uh, right along a, a parkway that's very, very, you're not far from the river at all. And it's this beautiful uh, parkway that looks like it's been preserved from oldie time like elements of it Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of trees a lot of grass a lot of nature and I just remember you know as a as a kid and as a young person when I went to see movies it would be almost bittersweet when they ended because I wanted to stay in that fantasy world Mm. or I wanted to be a part of that fantasy world Mm -hmm. you know and when I would go see movies in perfectly nice theaters in the suburbs you would just walk out and you'd be like, oh, there's another Kentucky Fried Chicken and a shoe store. I am back to crushing reality <laughs> in this large parking lot. And there's something about going to see a movie, disappearing into another reality, and then walking out and then being sort of surrounded by like the beauty and the power and the activity and the motion of nature that made it feel like eh, the real world's pretty exciting too. Hmm. And I really like that experience at St. Anthony, Maine. I love that. That is so funny, St. Anthony, Maine. I think I've only been to twice ever. Yeah. Um, But I was thinking about bringing that one up too. And this sounds like a negative thing, but it isn't a negative thing. The sticky floor. Yeah. The floor is very <laughs> sticky. It but is. But there's something about it that it does feel like, um, to me at least, there's some nostalgia to it of like childhood movie theaters. Yeah, absolutely. I've just like, yeah, the movie theaters, they were palaces for a while and then they really weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I want to be very clear, like sticky from popcorn and pop. Yes. Uh, just to be very or, or weeping from E.T. We don't know uh, which one. <laughs> yeah, but I saw everything there from, I think, the Mr. Bean movie to Pulp Fiction to uh, you and I went and saw Skyfall there. Yes, we did. Yeah, just to have that experience. Uh, so we promised some negatives or some concerns. We've, we've praised the movie going experience, the joy of the communal experience, but... For you, what are what are some of the negatives or what are some of the moments where you're like, we're going to get to go back to the movies. Oh, but now we have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, honestly, to me, it's all about people talking or looking at their phones. Yeah. Those are those are my two big ones. Um, you know, and, and a little bit of like somebody's like, what's that? You know, that's that's, that's fine. fine. We, that's charming. We get that. But the like people who decide to have a conversation in the middle of a movie um that's not how I choose to watch movies when yeah. I go to if I, if I want to have a conversation in the middle of a movie, I'll, I want to do it at not a movie theater, <laughs> you know, like at somebody's home or something. It's always been so weird to me of like you could talk to your friend anywhere for not fifteen dollars. Yeah. 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 So that and uh, and and the phone ones, which it, for me, it totally depends on the movie and it depends on the line of sight. Like if if I don't see them and somebody's clearly like trying to figure out where their friend is and they're trying their best to keep it down fine like i will give credit to them for that and understand they're dealing with the thing but when people just pull up their phone on full brightness in the middle of the movie or like the movie's about to end and they want to figure out uh you know how to pay for their parking like just things that are totally like okay you're not involved yeah um, you are stepping out of this communal experience I yeah think that's what makes me mad is like yeah. the the brightness of the phone pulls me out of the communal experience and then i have to have this battle inside myself of like 
ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And, you know, yeah, the magic is broken. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, I think there's that part of me where I'm like, I just kind of want to be prepared because I'm so excited to go back for that. And as you could tell from this long podcast, there is a temptation to uh, celebrate the magic, but also romanticize the magic and then remember like, oh, yeah, but I'm going to be in the movie theater with people who have been at home and got to do whatever they wanted. <laughs> and if that is going to be returning to the experience. Yeah. We'll see. There is an Alamo Draft House in uh, in Los Angeles, so and they are famous for being strict about their rules to preserve uh, the magic. So we will have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you? We already talked about this a little bit, but can you remember any examples where you feel like you absorbed the story differently uh, at a movie theater than you you did at home? Oh wow! I mean, gosh, there's so many where I feel or, that way. Or maybe, um, yeah. So, so here's one that it, it's kind of a, a weird example, but we went to see a film called The White Crow. Yes. Which is about uh, the dancer Nijinsky. So not, not going to be a thing that a lot of people go to. Um, but there is something about it that I think, I think I would have really enjoyed it at home, but I, because we were, again, I'm going to keep using this, but because we were in that dark box and there were a good number of people there, but not a lot of people there. Um, there was just something about it that I feel like I was able to fully tune out the world mm. and be there in in this world of, uh, you know, 60s Russia, uh, or 50s Russia. I apologize. I don't remember exactly when he defected. Um, in a different way than I would have been able to at home. Yeah. And... And I mean, I, I think that for me, for any example, that would be the thing. But that's one that just really jumps out at me because it was one that I didn't think that we were going to make it to in the theater. So I thought I would have the experience of watching it at home. And then the fact that we, I don't remember if it came back or is still there and we got to go see it in the theater. That was one that just, I really feel like I had a different exam, experience, but more because of the experience of the movie theater and less because of the communal experience of it yeah no that makes a ton of sense i think strangely what is popping to my mind is going to see at the that arclight presents where they played classic films mm-hmm. uh, around it, it was in october it was for halloween time uh seeing the bella lugosi dracula hmm. and really getting a sense that not everybody in that theater had seen it that it wasn't one of those uh definitely there were some people who there who were gothed out who are like this is ground zero for our aesthetic <laughs> we it, we know what we're in for some other people are like i've never seen that dracula oh, and yeah. like even the person giving the archetype presents uh speech was like it's 90 minutes and i was like no it's not it's so much like so i was i had this great tension of do people know what they're in for do they know how much different this moves and sounds and feels and is structured from a modern film and more than anything, I, I was kind of tense throughout the movie of like, do they know how suddenly this ends compared to a modern film? And clearly they didn't because like half the audience laughed and half the audience <laughs> was like, what? <laughs> so that was like that. I had a different experience, not like a bad one, but a different experience because there was this like tension. Yeah. Of I don't think people know what they're in for. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I th- I'm really excited to get back to seeing uh, theaters in uh, scene theater scene films in the theater because i 
am sometimes at risk of abusing the control I have at home. <laughs> Which, you know, it's Tell very... Me more. Well, when it's a long film or you've seen the film before, it is very nice uh, to be able to like, you know, uh, oh, hey, I forgot uh, mustard or uh, I need to pee again or, oh, a text came in or, oh, I want to take a, a pause the film and, and take a picture of that image to make a joke. And like, I think that I have been missing the feeling of being uh, held by a film in an embrace that I can't get out of. Mm. You know, when it's amazing and and when you're in that, you know, uh, that rapture, that can be great. But also just that that sort of like um, that giving over of control, that letting go of you can't pause, you know. And this thing is just going to keep moving. And if you want to stay with it, you got to stay with it. Mm-hmm. I, I miss having that for good and for bad for when you're like totally invested or like I will always remember uh, seeing Batman and Robin in the theater. And there's a part of Batman and Robin where Mr. Freeze gets caught kind of middle-ish of the film to my recollection. I could be wrong. And I remember sitting in the film thinking like this is too early in the film. It means he's going to escape and we're going to do all of this again. (laughs) (laughs) And now I think back, like, I want to have more experiences like that. We're like, "Ah, I'm stuck. Right. (laughs) Can't pause. Can't fast forward. You know, this is it. Yeah. I'm, I am on the ride on these rails and I got to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The immersion, the immersion. It's very good. Disappearing into the world of the story. Uh, when we have the choice to go to a theater versus streaming the same day, which will you want to do? Mm. This is partially just us getting to have a conversation. Yeah, let's you know. put the mics out in front of us and have our conversation. <laughs> About our life plans. Yeah. Um, so here's here's my reality. It'll depend, I think, a little bit on the movie. Yeah. I think for a lot, I will want to go to the movie theater. I, I like that experience. Um, I like the communal experience. There are, we are lucky in Los Angeles. There are so many movie theaters um, that I want to go to and I want to explore. And uh, also there's a little part of me that wants to pout and be like, but the arc light is not here. So I'm just going to be at home. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with the arc light is, is many people uh, said that was in their mind. The, the goal that yep. was the things will be back to normal. So yep. that was another hard part that it was uh, the, the vision for a lot of people. So like oh, black mine. widow is coming up yep. right in, in on July 9th. Mm-hmm. And that would have been, you know, if you know that would have definitely been you and i will be long vaccinated by then that definitely would have been the like all right things yeah. are getting back to normal yeah and no, that- i think i still want to see black widow in the theater but then we're gonna now we're gonna have to decide well, where yeah yeah i mean that was absolutely one of the things that i was like okay well someday things will get back and you know i'll we'll have to six, sit six feet apart from each other but and it'll be limited capacity but that's okay like, that's what I want to go do is go to the arc. I mean, that was totally mine was wanting to go to the arc light. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on from that. Um, but no, I think I think it's going to be really interesting. It's also to me like some movies you really want a good sound system for. Right. And you really want that experience of full surround sound, which we do not have, I will admit to people listening. <laughs> yeah. But it is a different kind of community to have something like uh say you know uh godzilla versus kong which for us was not going to be a priority to see in the theater mm-hmm. but everybody's talking about it for that you know week on social media and we got to do an episode of obsessed about it and it felt like a sense of community at home yeah so i do like the streaming option and you know i don't have any strong opinion about it i, I will i want 
whatever is going to be best for uh, creators to be able to keep telling stories is what I want. That's my controversial opinion on that right now. <laughs> uh, what is the perfect movie theater food for you and why? Oh, wow. So here's the thing. I'm a little torn about movie theater food. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm, I'm, I go classic. I, it tends to be popcorn. Um, but for a long time, I didn't ever want to get food during movies. Uh, and it, it used to be treats. It was usually either Reese's Pieces or Dots, oddly. I okay. went on a long Dots phase uh, <laughs> when I was a teenager, early 20s. Um, just because you couldn't get them anywhere else. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird. And I won't eat them too quickly because they're really hard to eat. So I won't eat the whole box. I'll eat like, you know, 10 and be done. Uh, so that was also part of my reasoning for it. But I, um, you know, sometimes I I don't necessarily want to have anything to eat or drink. I just want to take in the movie. Yeah, no, I'm getting more and more that way that I really want to be fully immersed in anything that requires looking down or management. <laughs> I don't want to eat. Yeah, yeah, that's why popcorn works for me um, is because I don't look, I just eat. And there's some movies that do feel like, okay, yeah, this is a good popcorn movie. Or if I haven't eaten food and I'm worried about getting hangry during the movie, then I will get popcorn. Yeah, yeah. And I like looking over and seeing your automated hand go from bag to <laughs> mouth, bag to mouth. It's great. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, particularly at the Arclight, I had really liked doing the a hot dog that I eat before the movie, maybe finish it off during the trailers uh, mm. so I'm satiated and have that, that experience of like a specific flavor that feels like you're at the movies mm. and you can get that strong association. So for me, it's like, uh, I don't generally go out in the world and get hot dogs, but I do at the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, at places where I, like the Arclight that allowed you to bring in drinks uh, from their bar into the theater, a martini during a movie is great because I have a tiny sad little bladder and sometimes i drink beer but it is dancing with danger to drink a beer (laughs) particularly if it's a longer movie uh but you know a a martini i can just gently sip throughout a movie oh it's so glorious i love it hot dog before martini (laughs) during perfect uh here's our our final question you ready yeah if you could watch any movie in any movie theater with any character from a movie what uh, concoction would you put together here? Oh, my gosh. These are such great questions, and they're so hard to come up with good answers right away. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, I will invite you to go first, or since I gave it some thought, since I came up with a question, I can answer first. Totally up to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go first. I've got, I've got one of the three answers. I need to get okay. the other two ready. Okay, great. So my answer is... Uh, uh, this podcast is all about going full circle. Uh, I want to see the original Star Wars film, A New Hope, uh, and I want to see it at the Grauman's Theater, the Grauman's Chinese Theater, which is another place that we were lucky to be able to go to in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Talk about a place that has just uh, is a movie palace, and you could absolutely just have hours of fun just looking at the walls. Uh, but it's also a really uh, high tech, high end, great modern theater. Uh, without compromising any aesthetics. So it's a great place to see things. Star Wars has a long association uh, with Grommans. A lot of the, holy crap, this weird science fiction movie is a hit. The image is all those people in their glorious uh, 70s clothes lined up outside of Grommans. So I'd love to watch A New Hope uh, in Grommans 
and specifically the character that I would like to watch it with is uh, Leia Organa. Wow. Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've seen the movie plenty, as long as we're in the back row and not bothering anybody else. I feel like Leia would have lots of great, fun, uh, cutting, witty insights into uh, A New Hope as we sit there in Grauman's Theater and watch it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So did That's that great. buy you some time? It did. I have a clarifying question. Please. Do it, does the person, the character that we're watching the film with need to be from the film we're watching? Nope. Okay. Did that make it easier or more complex? Uh, no, it, it means that my answer is acceptable. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is the perfect answer, but this is the one I'm going to go with, is I would like to see at the, um, I believe it's now called the Theater Days Hotel, but it was originally the United Artists Theater. It's in downtown Los Angeles. It's beautiful 19, uh, I think this one might be 19, early 1930s. Um, Movie Palace, as we were talking about before, mm-hmm. has been beautifully restored. Um, I was just going to say I want to see Singing in the Rain there, but I think we did. We did see Singing in the Rain okay, there, but well, you, we could go again. Clearly, I'm already two-thirds of the way there. I want to see Singing in the Rain, and I want to be watching it with the character, and I'm blanking on her name right now, that Sid Charisse plays in Silk Stockings, <laughs> which if people are not familiar with Silk Stockings, is... Um, a comrade from the Soviet Union who is questioning all things funny. And in particular, I want to watch things like make him laugh <laughs> and Moses supposes and all of that and just like see what kind of commentary she would have about that film. That is perfect. We have completed so many full circles. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the plugging. Uh, no, no. First, I want to do your noise to sum up. Oh. Awful, awful. Uh, it's like I haven't been doing this podcast for almost a decade. What is the noise you have to sum up your obsession with going to the movies? (sighs) (laughs) Is that the old school uh, projector starting up? It is. And then a sigh of happiness. Nice. And now that we have obsessed for a while, where do you rate your obsession (laughs) on a scale of one to 10? One being the lowest, 10 being the highest. I'm going to give myself an eight. An eight. Okay. Yeah. You went a little bit higher. Yeah. I think right now I'm a 10. I'll come down a little bit, but right now I'm, I'm a 10 because yeah. I am anxious uh, for this experience and to, to reconnect with that way of connecting with stories. Now let's move on to our plug-in section. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final questions. Mm-hmm. You ready? If you could throw any object into space, what would you throw up there? Wow. Goodness. Um, wow. Um. That's a really difficult one to answer because all of my first thoughts, uh, throwing them into space would kill them. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> what are you thinking of this? Like a whale or a tree. <laughs> that, that's cruel and uh, I don't want to do anything uh, cruel. That, that's, are you just thinking of the pure power? I don't know. I was just thinking like, cool view. Here, whale, go see it. But like, I don't want to kill a whale. Okay. Well, if you could throw a whale into space while it was wearing... Uh, some sort of uh, outfit to protect itself. Like a whale spacesuit? Yeah, totally. A giant a whale. whale spacesuit. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, anything else that you want to throw into space or just the whale in a spacesuit? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's many, but that'll do it. Okay. Now. Whale in a spacesuit is a, is a pretty good answer. If you were an action figure, what would your accessories be? Oh, well, um, it would, it would depend on the, the, um, the version yeah. of me that I think there'd be multiple versions. Yeah. That definitely work version, dance version. Yeah. Stage yeah. managing version. Well, I was actually thinking, so one would come with a martini. Ooh, yeah. And what version is that? Work? <laughs> Sadly, no. That would be balcony. Balcony, Sarah. <laughs> Come the, nice. the drawing on the inside has like a little balcony and yeah. a martini glass that sits on the balcony. Nice. Um, So there'd be balcony, Sarah. There would be um knitting, Sarah, Ooh. like with the knitting needles and a little ball of yarn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh. And then, and then I would like to say I would like to have hiking Sarah that okay. comes with a pair of hiking boots. Nice. Well, so like that you can put on the action figure, like their accessories. Yeah, yeah. Because nice. sometimes you want to hike barefoot. How else are you going to feel the earth? <laughs> These are solid, solid answers. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast is: What is happiness? Happiness is going to a movie theater, watching a movie, not having anyone around you talking. Yeah, just beautiful silence except for the story. That is a great answer. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, so here's a question I have for you. If there's any historical movie going experience that you could go to what would it be and why oh okay i was waiting for the rest <laughs> of the question uh wow that's so hard see i think uh i was gonna try to change from the honest answer because it's repetitive but the honest answer is seeing star wars at grommets yeah seeing star wars with the people who, who in 1977 whose minds were just blown because it was something entirely new that would be absolutely amazing. The other probably historical movie-going experience that I would love to do is uh, maybe a theater in New York. Uh, I would like to go see uh, in 1955 uh, The Man with the Golden Arm, uh, the Sinatra film, uh, where he plays a card dealer, uh, drummer, and a heroin addict, and just see how audiences reacted to that film in the theater. Beautiful.